guys. You're listening to Metal Matters, a weekly gimme radio podcast. I'm your host, Mike Hill. If you like metal, punk, hardcore, or anything extreme, you've come to the right place. So subscribe and never miss out. We're trying something different this week. We have a pilot idea for a brand new type of show called Point of Entry. Now, you might be asking what the hell this is going to be all about. And it's going to be exactly what the title says, Point of Entry. What was our entry point into this world of music that we're currently enjoying? What records were important to us? And how did that change the way that we listen to music? So Randy and I, who you all know from the Classic Records series, are going to kick off this brand new show idea and talk about records that got us into metal or extreme music and how that sort of molded us. Not necessarily our favorite records, but the records that changed the way that we listened to music or the way that we viewed music. Well, my parents were both really into uh, country music. Okay. Real country music. Uh, what do you mean by that? Like what I mean music. by that is not the shit you hear today on the radio. <laughs> like a like a hip hop drum beat underneath. It yeah, like some but, fucking. Yeah. Don't get me started on that whole thing. Yeah, my you know my parents are both really into Johnny Cash, Waylon Jennings, George Jones, yeah. Merle Haggard, the real shit. Right. So I, I was you know that was the first music I was exposed to that I really absorbed. You know, there's a, a lot of that. Um, and then you know. Just like, you know, we used to watch MTV and yeah. Friday Night Videos. Okay. I don't know if anyone remembers Friday Night Videos. USA Up All Night stuff, too? Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, stuff that was popular, man. I liked the 80s. I liked, uh, you know, I liked Men at Work and <laughs> Michael Jackson and uh, all that kind of stuff. And then I started to gravitate more towards rock, you know, Pink Floyd, Led Zeppelin, uh, that kind of stuff. Um, how about you? Kind of the same. My parents were both uh, into like girl groups and like fifties kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Like um, you know the Shirelles and stuff from right. the fifties. Uh, you know, um, I, I, I was going to say Elvis, but I don't think my parents actually listened to Elvis. Mine didn't either. Yeah, they were more into like Roy Orbison stuff like that. Yeah, which is like important because I to this day love Roy Orbison. Man, I was never a fan. Oh man, dude i I think that if if you like Anything that's like kind of dark, you know, like Roy Orbison is the the kind of entry point for a lot of that kind of stuff, really. I would take Roy Orbison over Elvis. I never liked Elvis. Yeah, me too. Totally. I mean, I like Elvis fine, but I like Roy Orbison way better. Yeah. You know. Um, and then as I, you know, grew up a little bit, I started listening to, you know, um, stuff that was on, on the radio and MTV. Yeah. Uh, getting into rock music, I was into, you know, like Foreigner and, uh, you know, sort of hard rock pink floyd led zeppelin okay now this is where we're inching towards metal yeah okay now i'd like to make the one sort of point here is that there's a thin line between hard rock and extreme music or metal sure and i'm going to put those early heavy metal bands into the extreme music category because that really is kind of the beginning of like what we call Extreme music or whatever you want to call it. You know what I mean? Meaning Sabbath, Priest. Yeah. That kind Sabbath of and Priest were like, I consider to be some of the first heavy metal bands. Absolutely. Me you too. know, Led Zeppelin, I think, was kind of more of a hard rock band in some ways. I always sided on that side of the fence. Yeah. Some people will call them metal. Same with Van Halen. 
Yeah, Van Halen's definitely a hard rock. That's what I say. Zeppelin too. You know, um, I agree. I would say you know Pink Floyd. You know, psychedelic, hard rock. You know, um, Deep Purple. You, I, I see Purple and Sabbath as being very similar, but I see Sabbath as a metal band and I see Deep Purple as a hard rock band. It's nice when we agree on all these things. Yeah, yeah. You know, Mountain hard rock band, great hard rock band. Yeah, but yes. Mountain actually was a band that kind of like opened my eyes to the possibilities of heavy guitar. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, big mountain fan. Uh, yeah. And there was other stuff too. Like, uh, I, I used to love Boston. Yeah. Dude, I love Boston still. <laughs> yeah. I saw them a couple of years ago. You did? Yeah. Oh, I saw them out at Jones okay. beach. They were fucking amazing. Really? Man. Still good. Yeah. They're the main guys dead. Isn't he? Yeah. They had a different singer, obviously. And, the cool thing, I thought that guy was great. He sounded just like him. And the other thing is he was trying to be, he was like classy. You know, he was like, all right, you know, everyone knows I'm not the original singer. You know, right, right. he had the vibe of like, I'm here to being a professional, doing my job. It's Neil Schoen's gig. Or right. not Neil Schoen, Tom Schultz's gig. Uh, Tom, yeah, you're thinking of yeah. Journey. Yeah, Journey. Yeah. It's Tom Schultz's gig. He's the star. He's the man behind all this. And right. I thought that was very cool about the way he approached his job sure. as a singer but yeah yeah i would uh you know when i watch mtv and uh the radio also the radio and stuff before i went to school in the morning you know as a child uh and then i started you know noticing music more at the department stores when i would go shopping with my parents you know i'd be more interested in looking at records and stuff like that and then i started buying 45s of the songs you know i've seen videos for it, mtv or heard on the radio yeah uh you know, all kinds of stuff. But uh, one day, I was in the department store and seen a record by a band called Kiss. Okay. Destroyer. That's a sick name, by the way, for any any band to yes. call their record Destroyer is awesome. Absolutely. And it was one of those moments where I was like stopped in my tracks by the cover art. Uh I had maybe heard the name Kiss, but wasn't really familiar. And if I, I maybe I was and didn't know it from a couple songs that I played, I heard on the radio or something. Um, it's different times back then. Man. Mm -hmm. The information came slow <laughs> yeah. and a lot different than it does now. So I picked up that record and I looked. I was like completely mesmerized um, by that record. There was another record behind it called "Rock and Roll Over," okay, by Kiss. Yeah, and that cover art also was blowing my mind so uh my mom let me get those two records so that was my gateway kiss destroyer was my gateway into heavy metal um rock and roll over was cool i liked it but there's something about destroyer specifically the first three songs on destroyer um Detroit Rock City, King of the Nighttime World, and God of Thunder. Uh, I still absolutely love those songs to this day. There's some weak songs on Destroyer. It's not a perfect record. But that, as far back as my memory will allow me to go, that was like when I bought you know, my first record that I considered to be something other than what I was hearing on the radio. Even though Kiss was on the radio, that just opened a doorway in my mind that started to go down this hall a little darker, a little heavier, a little weirder. Um, and that was – that. I'm going to go in order of these records. Sure. We're going back and forth. That was the the record for me that I would say opened the gateway to me listening to metal and where I am today with music. Yeah. 
Go ahead. What's the rest of your shit? <laughs> Let's hear it. Uh, after that, uh, Ozzy Osbourne, Speak of the Devil. Um, this is a, a whole weird thing. I didn't know about Black Sabbath. Or like I said, maybe I heard songs on the radio, didn't know who it was. Okay. Um, once again, because of the cover art, I bought Speak of the Devil, not knowing that almost every track on it was a Black Sabbath song. I didn't know who Black Sabbath was. So there was a good gap in my youth when I didn't know that all those songs were Black Sabbath songs. Did you ever read the Rudy Sarzo biography, Off the Rails? No, but I want to. Dude, I read that uh, on tour one time. And, and Rudy Sarzo is like one of my favorite like rock and roll like musician guys sure he's, play, he's like i i rudy sarzo is like the ultimate professional to me because he's played with so many bands and he talks about that record and it was going to be released as a live album but they did it was a licensing thing like they can only right use live versions of black sabbath songs and this the the, the ozzy record that wasn't out yet or there was some weird legal reason why they released that yeah and i believe that was recorded at the ritz or something like that in new york city uh, yeah, I believe it was some it small, was. some small venue. Yeah, it was, and uh, yeah, you're right. There was a lot. They were under contract where I think the label was Gem Records. Something, yeah, some time. random. Yeah, they were under a. It was a weird contract that they had to release an album of live Black Sabbath material. Yeah, it was something exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think that's your. Which yeah, I, I thought was bizarre, but I mean, I got this record. Didn't even know it was a live record until I got it. You know, and I just completely fell in love with it it blew my mind and i had no recollection of black sabbath and i didn't know ozzy osbourne had two records prior to this coming out oh no shit <laughs> no i didn't i mean it didn't take me long to find them after yeah. i bought this record but i did not so there was a gap there where i thought this was the, either the only record he had out or the first thing he had. Now, out. wasn't brad gillis the guitar player on that yeah, the lineup on it was uh, Ozzy on vocals, Brad Gillis from Night, Night Ranger, Ranger, yeah, on guitar, Rudy Sarzo from Quiet Riot at the time on bass, yep. and Tommy Aldridge on drums. Black Oak, Arkansas, Tommy yes. Aldridge. Yes. The sad thing about Rudy Sarzo's involvement with Ozzy though is that he never recorded anything with them. He was always just the road guy. Well, right, and this seems to be a reoccurring theme in a lot of stuff we talk about as well. This record, you can't find anywhere besides a used bin somewhere. Yeah. Apparently, it's not on any streaming services. Uh, it's completely out of print. They don't make this record anymore. Wow. It's used copies floating around. Yeah. Um, it's not even on YouTube. Wow. I wonder because if there's a reason for that. Yeah, there man. is a reason. You know what her name is? Sharon Osborne. Very good. Wow. Something about not wanting to pay the performers some bullshit because when we talked about doing this episode originally i wanted to go back and revisit this record i haven't listened to it in a long time yeah and, and it was a very important record to this episode and i couldn't find it holy i shit. don't own my cassette copy i oh, had man. You know, yeah I, i've seen it at record stores and i've always had it in my hands to buy a used copy oh, of the vinyl and i just never have uh so i couldn't listen to it i wanted wow. to sit down and listen to it in its entirety and I could not listen to it. I have like very, very clear memories of all those songs because of how awesome the live versions were. They were. That lineup absolutely killed it. Um, yeah. So, I mean, in a lot of ways, that record 
made me a Black Sabbath fan, and that record also made me go check out, you know, Blizzard of Oz and Diary of a Madman. What's awesome too is like, and this is this is one of the things I love about just like music, like rock music or whatever. It's like the lineup on that on that record: Brad Gillis on guitar and Rudy Sarzo. Right. Like, we're we're in Ozzy's band for at least a year, probably. I mean, well, Rudy was touring with Ozzy for many years, right. but that lineup existed for a while. They were on the road doing shit. Yeah. They never recorded with that lineup, though. You know I know. I mean? Like, Brad Gillis never recorded. Right. He just was, like, a guy out there killing it on guitar. Right. And, you know, he never was in the band officially, really, to do any studio records. Right. You know, and that stuff always... I love all that, like, lore, like, that history, because you can't find that document anywhere. It doesn't exist. It only exists as a limited thing that because it only there's only a finite numbers of these records out there right you know and you know like today you know everything and every reason for everybody why someone's in and out of a band or who's on every single like back in these days man it was just it's hard to gather that information yeah you know you didn't you didn't even know who was in the band like i thought you know what honestly when this record first came out and i heard it i thought randy rhodes was on that shit <laughs> right uh I mean, I didn't know who Randy Rhodes even was at the time, but yeah. like, I'm sure I would have had the same thoughts. Or like, why did Brad Gillis not go on to record, you know, uh, on Bark at the Moon? Why did he? Where did Jake E. Lee come from? Why did he get him to? I mean, he was a relatively unknown, yeah, guy. I yeah. actually think he's from Connecticut. Really? Yeah, and huh. someone just he had a band, I guess, before called badlands oh yeah was that it was that before he was with ozzy that's just some, somebody told me recently i i haven't looked this up steve I'll, I'll... if you're out there listening <laughs> to this get back to me on this you're our fact checker man so steve let me know what the story is about uh about jakey lee yeah <laughs> thanks steve <laughs> we recently shut down the research and development department due to lack of funding so <laughs> we, we have to you know time time is uh not on our side anymore uh yeah but it's crazy so like you know Speak of the devil, man. That I just bought it on a whim once again because the cover was awesome, you know. And I, I, I think I did recognize a couple of the songs, you know, Iron Man and stuff, but I yeah. didn't know who sang Iron Man. Right on, you know. Gotcha. But that led me to Black Sabbath, Sold Our Souls for Rock and Roll. And although I love Speak of the Devil, and those versions of the songs are great, we sold our souls. Hearing those songs done by Black Sabbath was a complete game changer for me. Yeah. Uh, I think we've talked about this in the past. The, for your first experience, I think we talked about this when we did the uh, Heaven and Hell episode. Yes. Just the differences between the two bands. Yeah. The first, you heard the Dio version of mm -hmm. Sabbath before. Yeah. But when you finally heard the original version of Sabbath, when you heard the song Black Sabbath, mm -hmm. that's just a complete game changer, man. Yeah, it's like We Gotta Know by the Chromags, which we talked right. about, you know. It's one of those moments, one of those poignant moments where it just makes the fucking hair stand up on the back of your neck and you, like, get uncomfortable, but in a good way. You know what I mean? So hearing uh, We Sold Our Souls for Rock and Rolls, a double collection, quote-unquote, greatest hits or whatever. Another one of those nice major label tricks where, like, I read a quote from Iomi that said, they didn't even know this record existed until people started bringing it to shows for them to sign. <laughs> Interesting world to live in, huh? Yeah. 
Um, imagine someone bringing you like an official Tombs record that you have no idea <laughs> if it exists, you know? Um, that, although Kiss Destroyer was awesome and fun and Speak of the Devil was a lot of Sabbath songs, but it still had like this rock kind of fun element to it. The true version of those songs, And We Sold Our Souls for Rock and Roll, were just had this darkness to them, uh, which, you know, that led me a little bit further down the path. This is before I got into, you know, punk and hardcore and that stuff. Um, so I was just kind of realizing there was more extreme stuff out there. And Sabbath, like a lot of people, I'm sure, that opened the door, you know, to that to that extreme side of stuff. Um, what do you got next? Uh, we should go through your list. You want to go through my whole thing? Right. Yeah. We'll, so we'll, I got yeah. yeah, I got a couple more. Yeah, so go for it. So, you know, like I said, Sabbath definitely want left me wanting, thinking, well, what what else is out there? That's you know, like this. Um, same department store. I got to shout out Ames Department Store. I remember Ames. And, <laughs> yeah, that's like yeah. A, new, a northeast. At least I know it was in the northeast. So, yeah, yeah. It, it was like a you know like a, a kind of a shittier version of like Kmart. You yeah. Know? Like Kmart was like, they had all the sick shit at Kmart, you know. Ames was like, you know. Uh, the same store I bought, Destroyer, Speak of the Devil, and We Sold Our Souls. I walked down the aisle one day and saw Metallica, Master of Puppets. Oh, man. Uh, this was right around the time I started to get into punk and hardcore. Like, within the first few months of me uh, getting, like, the first suicidal record and, like, the very first hardcore records I bought. Um, and like a lot of us that are old, we bought a lot of records on album art, mm -hmm. not, ha correct. not having any clue. I didn't know what Metallica was. I didn't know what it sounded like, but I seen the cover of Master Puppets and I had to have it. And that was a, that was a game changer to head me down the more extreme metal route. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it was a thrash uh, record. Yeah. I never really heard yeah. thrash music, yeah, you know, like fast. Yeah. 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 Um, you know. I mean, what, what can you say about Master of Puppets that everyone doesn't already know? You know, the last record Cliff Burton ever played on, studio record. Um, first thrash album to go platinum. <laughs> you know, it's important record for a lot of people, uh, I'm sure, you know. Um, Orion is my favorite track. Being a bass player, I can see why. Yeah, you know? yeah it's great. An eight-minute instrumental. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, then you know i started hanging around with some some kids in school who are, ironically were into hardcore and metal which at those days we've discussed before was like kind of taboo um and they turned me on to a record by slayer called rain and blood oh shit i think i heard of that one <laughs> yeah have you heard of that one yeah, yeah. i think maybe i might have heard of that one it's pretty good it's 28 minutes long nice and short uh and that i'm gonna round out my uh, picks here with uh, Slayer, Rain and Blood. That was the the absolute gateway that kind of made me realize heavy music has no limits and anything is possible. When I heard that, you know, I, I was a uh, a young man at this point, a teenager, you know, 16 years old, and that just completely blew my mind. Even though I guess it's not that far removed from Master of Puppets, in a lot of ways, it is. Oh, I think so. I the, think that they're very much different, man. I mean, uh, I think I think in some ways Metallica's songs are have like um, arrangement wise are a little more complex, but Slayer's 
just their energy and their aggression. Right. Like their songs probably have less parts, but they're like real fucking intense though. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's not a second. It's just tearing your face off. And, I, and they're they're way more evil than, than Metallica. <laughs> yeah, like the you know the whole satanic edge and yeah. the, you know the Auschwitz, the meaning of pain. You know, like all the lyrical content it was just so brutal and extreme. Um, and I just got that record at a time where I, I didn't know music could be that brutal and extreme. And I, that just always left me left me wanting more of that. So, you know, I got to credit that record for making me go down that whole of extremity and uh you know as far as metal stuff and i'm just kind of limiting my list yeah to metal you know? well that, that's yeah it's kind of like right. you know we, we the those are my five records and you know I, this is a really hard thing to do to narrow it down to five records sure there's a lot of other records i wanted to throw uh sod speak english or die in there i even thought about uh age of quarrel putting yeah. that in there but I was just trying to attack this in a very specific way. So yeah. that's those are my five. Cool. And once again, just to reiterate, um, you know, this is uh, the the list doesn't necessarily include our favorite records by these artists, but it's like the ones that really that drew us into the fold. I guess is really, uh, you know, then my my list and my little narrative about all this stuff is the same deal because some of these records I'm going to mention are not my favorite albums by some of these bands. And some of them are, actually. I was going to ask you, are yeah. any of them? Some of them are. Two of my, two of my five are. Which ones? Uh, Kiss Destroyer is my favorite Kiss album. But I love the first album, too. Mm-hmm. But if I had to pick, I'd pick Destroyer. And Rain and Blood is my favorite Slayer record. First album, first Kiss record's got that Strange Ways song on it, which yeah. is, like, fucking awesome. First Kiss record's fucking yeah. great. Um, Wait, is that Strange... I think, isn't that on the first Or is one? that on Hotter Than Hell? Oh, wait, no, you're right. It's on Hotter Than Hell. Yeah. Sorry about that. I, I got confused by that. Your history is off. My history is off. <laughs> yeah. Back when I was a kid, there was this kid named Ron McCarthy who was like a couple of years older than me. And, and you know, our families were, were friendly. And, you know, they big Irish family. I was friends with the brothers and sisters and everything. But Ron was the guy who was like way into music. And he had... He was a very big part of what I listened to. You know, I mean, he was into Rush 2112. I got into Rush 2112. Right. He liked a band called Triumph from Canada. Yes. I started getting into Triumph. I thought they were cool, right? But he drew the line at, like, Judas Priest and, like, Sabbath and that kind of stuff. For some reason, he didn't get into that kind of stuff, right? So, you know, that my introductory viewport into hard rock music came from this dude, Ron. Okay. So this, there was another family that lived by my, my grandmother and I uh, became friends with them. And their older sister was going out with this guy. Um, I'm not going to say his name because, uh, you know, there's just some dark shit. I don't want anything to get out there about this dude. Um, he came. He was a uh, an older guy, obviously, and he was living with this family, and he had this massive record collection. And one day, I heard, "We sold our souls for rock and roll." Okay, and I said, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> and he said, "This is Black Sabbath." Now, the meeting of the sort of 
schools of thought between this guy and Ron McCarthy met with Black Sabbath because Ron McCarthy had played me Heaven and Hell by Black Sabbath, okay? And I was like, oh, this is what Sabbath sounds like. It's like this, you know, this is like like Triumph, like it's right up there with all this stuff, like, you know, Richie Blackmore kind of thing, you know? I'm like, yeah, this is like, oh, this is Black Sabbath. It's a cool name, you know? It's like awesome, right? So Heaven and Hell, one entry point, okay? Point number one. Point number two, we sold our souls for rock and roll. And I was like, I couldn't even reconcile that these were the same bands. Right. You know what I mean? And in some ways, I guess they weren't. But, I mean, they they all came out of Tony Iommi's creative consciousness. So they are, to me, still both Black Sabbath. Right. But one was the de- the Dr. Jekyll and one was the Mr. Hyde. You know what I mean? That's how I felt about the Speak of the Devil yeah. comparison. Yeah. You know, um, Heaven and Hell was the Dr. Jekyll, you know. Very technical, like created this technical tapestry, you know, very well thought out. The production was excellent. It was like a very deliberate sort of thing, okay? The Mr. Hyde aspect of Black Sabbath, which was we sold our souls for rock. And, and look, guys, I know that that's a greatest hits record, you know, but at the time I didn't. I was fucking 12 years old. Oh, well, right. That's, that's irrelevant. You know I mean? yeah. I'm like, wow, they put out a double LP, man. All these songs are on it. And, um, that was the Mr. Hyde's part, the dark, chaotic, you know, subterranean consciousness of the band. You know what I mean? It was like, I didn't even knew, I was like, how the fuck is this the same guitar player, man? Like, one, on one, he's like tight, he's playing all this like cool stuff. And this other one, I'm like, I don't even, I wasn't even convinced he knew how to play the fucking instrument the right way. <laughs> right. I was like, is this, there's something broken here? Or is it like, is he playing the right notes? Like, I don't, these notes didn't make any sense to me that what he was doing. And I was like, I didn't like it at first, you know what I mean? But then, like, later as the weeks gone by, because this was all during the course of, like, one summer, right? It was, um, I, st- I couldn't stop thinking about, like, the song Black Sabbath. Yeah. It's the song Iron Man, you know? And uh, the song Paranoid, right? Fairies wear boots. I was like, what the fuck? Um, but that is the impact that those songs hearing those songs for the first time at a young age those that's the impact now if you'd never heard those songs you would never ever you wouldn't even have any basis of comparison for anything that came after that exactly because a lot of people like to talk shit about sabbath i think because you know it's like oh well you know they're, they're whatever and i'm like look dude they weren't that great. I'm like, yes, they were. Because everything after that band references that band. I think that no matter what style of music, we you know, we had an episode about the Chromags Age of Quarrel. That record sounds like Black Sabbath in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? Right. Black Flag. They sound like Black Sabbath later on in their career. Listen to side two of my war. Yeah, man. You know, the Melvins, you know? Yeah. Even though they probably deny that they even listen to Black Sabbath, <laughs> they probably they sound like Sabbath. I hate God. I hate. I hate God, you know. And then all the multitude of other bands that we're not even mentioning. Yeah, go right on down the list, man. Go right on down the list, you know. Like, yeah, dude. I don't know. Black Sabbath is my Beatles. Yeah, that's how I look at Sabbath. So you know, it's this guy like was was like turning me on all this kinds of stuff. You know, I mean, I recorded like you know, 
back then you, you you had the the vinyl and i would bring like a 90 minute cassette tape and i recorded that you know record from him you know and this is the same guy that played me van halen one and like all these great records you know right. what i mean so that was like that's like the, the the really the starting point for me like sabbath different from rush different from led zeppelin right you know and now specific you know you know my like heaven and hell definitely great starting point a that's my intro to metal was that record right we sold our souls brought it to another level of just intensity and that was like i thought that there was like something like it was like the the music the output of like an insane person almost like with ozzy's <laughs> vocals and tony i always approached to playing guitar it was like this very barbaric rudimentary kind of thing especially because prior to that i was listening to rush and like you know yes and pink floyd and all this stuff right. which was like higher thought patterns in some ways there was this this kind of like more um developed sense of like aesthetics or something like that yeah. and then when i heard sabbath it was like this base barbaric very brutal like thing you know and primitive it was like primitive yeah. yeah yeah and and that's like absolutely more that started me absorbing me more and that was like kind of like what pushed me into deep, deeper you know more intense music i think so those two records were like pivotal for me next up the other heavy metal band i liked was judas priest and the record that drew me into judas priest was sin after sin and that came out in 1977 great now i didn't get into it in 1977 right. but it was like that guy, you know, who turned me on to Sabbath, Ron didn't like Judas Priest. So he wasn't, had nothing to do with me getting into Priest. But this other dude was talking about how if you like Sabbath, man, you should check out another British band called Judas Priest. And I was like, cool. So I went to, you know, the book and record store in Carmel, New York, where I grew up. And I looked for the only record they had. They had Sin After Sin by Judas Priest put it on you know my full turntable in my room and it was a fucking great album and actually i listened to that record on the way out here <laughs> on, uh, it's on itunes you know and sin after sin like just the first few few jams on it sinner it's got dissident aggressor diamonds and rust the song starbreaker okay They're, are you familiar with this record at all oh yeah you oh yeah it, right oh yeah. yeah 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 you know you and i went to see priest a couple of years like last year we did, and then I seen them again back in May of this year. Yeah, it was great. You know, it's still great. Fucking awesome, man. You know? Incredible. Yeah, I'm very familiar with this record. I love it. Yeah. Although I didn't come to it as early as you did. It was, was the first Priest album I ever heard. Yeah, it was later to the game yeah. on Priest. Starbreaker, the the riffs and, and sort of, um, you know, arrangement of that song kind of set the blueprint for, like, heavy metal songs, I think, in some ways. You know what I mean? It almost sounds like, um, like you can you can trace that into a lot of stuff. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And and uh, I would think that it's like a very, uh, it's like a blueprint for a lot of stuff that came afterwards. Now the next, the last two records on my list, we have Iron Maiden Killers, and we did an entire episode on that. Nineteen eighty one. I was reading Cream magazine, and I found out about Iron Maiden. I looked up Killers. I went to the book and record store. I found Killers. 
That was literally the only thing they had by then. And that brought me into the fold of Iron Maiden. It was like faster. It was part of this, at the time I didn't know anything about this, but later on obviously I figured out it was part of this like new wave of British heavy metal thing. Right. But the thing that I did like about it was that it had more advanced like songwriting and the playing was like different. You know, it was like more like, you know, dual guitar solos, like all this other stuff, you know. And then um, Scorpions in Trance, and that record came out in 1975. Great. Yeah, and so... That grouping of records really is what started me down the path of listening to more, you know, like heavy metal or metal or extreme music or whatever, you know. Uh, just to go back real quick to the Priest record. Yeah. Uh, when I seen him back in May, they did play Starbreaker. Really? Set. Yeah, the set was, people were bumming. At really? Because it was like deep cuts? Yeah. Everyone's like, oh, I mean, how many, how many fucking times do you need to hear, like, Breaking the law. Yeah, I mean, they, you know, they play that shit at the end. But the, yeah, the, there's a lot of deep cuts in the set and like some other new songs off Firepower they didn't play the first time around, which I think it's a great record. Yeah, Firepower is awesome. But yeah, they did play Starbreaker live. Wow. Yeah, and it was killer. Yeah, just the, the whole like, like you, you know what I'm saying though? It's like it definitely set the template for a lot of like heavy metal songs. Oh, absolutely. And it's, and it, yeah, in a different way than Sabbath did. Yeah. You know what I mean? Than the original incarnation of Sabbath. Um uh, and as far as Killers goes, we did an episode on Killers. Yeah, everyone knows how we feel about that record. Yeah, yeah. And the Scorpions is a band that we haven't really talked about that much, but you know, In Trance is a great record. It's the version of the band that features Yuli Roth. Yep. It was my that's my favorite version of the band. Uh, yes. You know, he's it's like this weird <laughs> Hendrix, like <laughs> German Jimi Hendrix guy. There's some great YouTube footage of the Scorps playing with Yuli. Uh, I think it's like some weird television show or something. And like, he's just so unique, man. He's got he's like just, scarves and like bell bottoms yeah, on and stuff. He's got his own trip going on. Yeah. And there's these weird like motions, like yeah. the way he moves. He and plays shit a strat like, like Hendrix. Yep. yep. And he's still out there and he still fucking tours. Oh, yeah. And plays those songs that he did with the Scorpions. Yeah. Uh, people underestimate uh, old Scorpions. Uh, and he sang some songs. Yeah, there was sure. on all the records that he played on, he actually sang like one song. He's on Taken by Force too. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I think yeah, so, yeah. yeah. But on this record he has the song Dark Lady. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Which is incredible. It trans is an incredible record. Yeah. I love that record. So I mean, you know, I mean I, I that's not to say I don't like Blackout and you know the records that came Yeah, I like this stuff too. But like Fly to the Rainbow, Taken by Force, Entrance. Virgin Killer. Virgin Killer. Yeah. That's a good one. Those are the four best ones, I yeah. think. You know, I would say I like these even better than the ones with Michael Schenker on them. Yeah, sure. You know, but I, I love Michael Schenker. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. So, let's see. Some of these records actually are my favorite records by these bands, coincidentally. Scorpions in Trance is my favorite album by them. I would agree with that. Okay. Iron Maiden Killers is my favorite record by Iron Maiden. I would agree with that as well. Judas Priest, my favorite record by Priest is Defenders, not Defenders of the Faith, is um, Screaming for Vengeance. That's a great one. Yeah, but, you know, this is the one that turned me, got me into them, you know. Black Sabbath, we saw our soul to rock and roll. We all know, so everyone calm down. We know it's a greatest hits record. And we all know your favorite Sabbath record is Headless Cross. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Um, Sabbath, my still my favorite is uh, is is it going to have to be uh, Masters of Reality? My favorite Sabbath record. I can't pick. 
Yeah. That one always it just I, I have a certain feeling when I listen to Masters of Reality, you know, and I, and I so I can list when I put it on I just listen to the whole record all the way through, like I don't skip any songs. Oh yeah 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 yeah. And then, you know, the number one was Sabbath, another Sabbath record. You know, maybe for the Dio era, I'm going to say that, that, that Heaven and Hell is probably my favorite record. Right I now. agree with that. Yeah. I, I love Mob Rules. I think Dehumanizer is a very underrated Sabbath record. It's a, it's a re- that's a record a lot of people don't even know about. I know, and it's, it's great, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. That, that song, I, I love that song. Yeah, it's an underrated record. But yeah, Heaven and Hell, I think, is the uh, pinnacle of the Dio Sabbath stuff. Yeah, no, definitely. So anyone out there listening to this, if you guys want to comment with some of your entry points, feel, please feel free. If you want to you know, hit us up on social media, you can message us on Facebook or whatever. Um, yeah, I'm just interested to hear what some other people's entry points into music are, especially some of the younger cats out there. You know, guys who might have been born in like, you know, 1990 or something like that. I'd be really interested <laughs> to find out like what your entry points are. You know what I mean? That that is, yeah, that's yeah. cool. Like, whoever you have do this in the future, you should make sure you have some young yeah. blood in there. Not just like old fucks like me and you who remember. Right, the we're 70s, all gonna pick you know? Sabbath and yeah. fucking Maiden and you know. Yeah, someone I, out there is probably like you know, like Whitechapel is my introductory into metal. Or yeah, something, well, don't, you, you could don't interview them, <laughs> but you know. Yeah. Find someone with at least good taste, will you? Yeah. episode of metal matters a gimme radio weekly podcast tune in next week and see what we have in store for you the show is available on all streaming platforms apple Podcasts, itunes spotify etc also be sure to check out gimme radio streaming on the web ios or android for one of the best metal communities exclusive merch interviews with artists and so much more i'll catch you guys next week take care
I got a way I want to do it. You've got the way you want to do it. It's totally cool. We don't have to do it in the same way. Uh, so if you want me to start it off, I can start it off. It's up to you. We can start it off together and say, you know, before I got into metal, you know, before you got into metal, like what kind of shit were you listening to? You know, when you were a kid.